Thank you, Sarah. And uh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, <clears throat> lovely to be here and, uh, and speak to you in this setting. I don't get to share often in jeans, and, and uh, so this is a cold snap for me. As we begin, do you mind if I just pray once more? Heavenly Father, just uh, want these words to be yours and not mine. Would you just attend us now in the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing that peeves me off <clears throat> is scams. And while I haven't been a victim to one yet, I, I get plenty. Emails, text messages, and unfortunately some of my friends have lost money and, uh, and a whole lot of sleep over these dodgy scammers that are out there. But uh, one got a bit close to home the other month because where our office is there in Townsville, just behind, is a whole bunch of accommodation, and we provide accommodation, emergency relief accommodation stuff for people in the community who are, are in desperate times and need somewhere temporarily to stay. And this particular lady came along, and she was staying there, and she was only supposed to be there X number of nights, and one day she came to our, our, our caretakers there, and she goes... You need to help me. I've transferred too much money to you guys and I've, I've, got, a, you know, I've got bills to pay and I've got nothing to live on and all the rest. And uh, we said, well, let's have a look. And we saw where she transferred $1. And then she, she was showing us her phone and a, tra a supposed transaction statement that said she transferred $750 instead of $250. And she was urgently insisting that we refund her this money. And um, anyway, the, the caretaker had gone to the accounts department and they said, we don't have the money, we can't refund it. And so this lady continued to pressure her and say, I'm desperate, I've got no money, I've transferred everything I've got to you accidentally, please give me the extra $500 back. And uh, so the, the manager came to me in desperation and said, what do we do with this lady? And I said, we can't refund what we don't have. So... One of the big things when it comes to scams is they want everything to happen quick and they want you to make decisions on the fly without thinking about them. I said, let's slow this down. Just say to this lady, we cannot refund what we don't have. So if you've transferred that money supposedly to us and we don't have it, you need to go and talk to your bank. Well, what she'd done, <clears throat> it turns out, is that she'd made the transfer for $1.00 then got a transaction statement, then doctored the transaction statement to say $750 and showed us that. It's a scam. Uh, she didn't get the money out of us, but then she broke into the cleaning cupboard and stole all the money we used for the washing machine and then found a key to the washing machine lockbox and took all that money and so we still lost some. But um, how do you trust people? How do you know what to believe? And this morning I'd like you to take your Bibles, whether you've got it in the old-fashioned hard copy like I do or on a modern digital device, and I'd like you to turn to John chapter 5. <clears throat> We're going to focus today on one verse out of the teachings of Jesus. John chapter 5, and it's verse 24, and Jesus begins this verse by saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. And so what he's trying to do is cut through all of that silly scammer stuff and all of the people out there who have got 
crazy realities and uh, misinformation and all this other stuff that there is so much of today. And Jesus is trying to cut through and say, let me tell you what the truth is. In fact, he does it three times in a number of verses in this passage. And so when Jesus says, I want to tell you the truth, not that Jesus ever lies, but when he says, I want to tell you the truth, then we better pay attention because what's coming is obviously pretty important. And I want to share with you just this one verse, and we're going to spend the next few moments picking it apart. He says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. This is awesome news. And in the next few minutes, I want to pull it apart a little bit and explain to you why. Let's start with the first section. Whoever hears my word. I have a little boy. He's going to turn 11 next Saturday. And um, his main tutor in life at the moment is YouTube. It's a curse, that thing. It can be a blessing, but... Um, so <clears throat> he speaks with all sorts of authority on what he hears off YouTube. And if he doesn't hear it on YouTube and he still wants to insert himself into the conversation and, uh, and sound like he knows what he's talking about, he just makes it up. And maybe it's a kid thing. Um, I don't remember ever doing that when I was a child, but then we didn't have YouTube. But uh, this is what Zion does. And so we have to sometimes go, buddy, you've said that with a whole bunch of authority, but it's actually rubbish. Not everything that you hear on YouTube is, is truthful, is accurate. And, um, and when you just make stuff up and take a wild stab in the dark, don't expect always to get it right. And we're just trying to correct you and say, here's the facts of the issue. And Jesus comes along and he says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my voice, not YouTube's voice, not some um, influencer that's out there that's telling you about you know, what the best products are or, or what their attitude to life is or, or some motivational person who just really scratches where you're itching. There are so many voices out there all clamoring for your attention, all trying to be the person who is guiding you and however many hundreds of thousands or millions of followers as well. They want to be the person. But actually, if you really want good guidance, the one person who will never let you down and who always has it right is Jesus. And here he says, I'm telling you the truth. I'm cutting through all those scammers and I'm telling you that if you hear my word, if you hear my voice, if you hear my message, then you're on a good track. Now, what does he mean when he says, if you hear because hearing implies more than just the words went in one ear. And then who knows what happened after that. There's a little passage in uh, the book of James where he makes it very clear. In fact, even here in the Greek, um, in John 5.24, it, uh, it, it infers to obey my word, not just to hear. So there is some level of action. But James makes it pretty clear here in chapter 1 and verse 22. And he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James, the brother of Jesus, um, they hung out as boys. Of course, they didn't get on when they, were, when they were together. It was only when Jesus left that James finally figured out what was going on with Jesus and his ministry. But he says, When Jesus asks you to hear... 
He's not just asking the words to go in. He's saying, you need to do what it says. Um, a, f- a few years ago, just, just as COVID came, actually, we got ourselves a little dog. First time I've ever owned a dog. I've always had cats um, as a kid. And so it's this cute little moodle thing. And, um, and we called him Bear, like Teddy Bear, because he is cute. And um, Bear and I kind of got our groove going, and we both realised that there was one thing in life that we, we loved equally, and that was sweets. And so every time I would get anything out, Bear was always there, and he loved him, these sweets. And my wife Suzanne says to me, you can't feed him any human food. Just leave him with a dog food. She told me very clearly. Well, we're out on a youth camp with 100 other people and uh, had this amazing Cook Island lady cooking all this food. And I went and got myself a massive bowl of banoffee pie. Now, that's kind of got custard and sweet fruit and some cake and it's like a disassembled trifle. Just amazing tucker. So I'm sitting over there under a tree with my big bowl of banoffee pie and bears sitting beside me. I had half of it and I gave him the other half because my wife wasn't looking. And he loved it. He woofed this stuff down, no pun intended, but he, he, he just devoured it. And I felt really good that I could share with my little canine mate this dessert. Well, it wasn't the end of the story. Because what followed was two days for Bear at the vet and an $800 bill. And Suzanne says to me, why didn't you listen to what I said? Well, I did listen. I heard what she said. But what she's saying when she says to me, why didn't you listen? She's implying that it's not just about the words going in, but it's about us actually doing something about it. And that's what James says, don't just be hearers of the word and deceive yourselves. That's just a rubbish place to be in if all of these words are coming and you don't act on anything. Jesus says, you want things going your way. You want to hear the truth. You want to know some absolute direction and life advice. Then you need to hear my word, which is more than just hearing. It's actually acting on it. When you've got to design a doggy, I've learned you can't give him anything but his dog food. Not like the cattle dogs my grandfather used to have on the farm. You could throw him anything. They'd eat it, wouldn't bother them. But I've learned the hard way. My wife says, I wish you would just listen to me. And unfortunately, she's been a prophet more often than not and, and showed me up. And so if I'm going to preserve any amount of, um, of self-esteem, I need to start paying attention to what she says. But if we're smart, we'll pay attention to what Jesus says. And he says, if you hear my word, then you're on a good track. I want to share one more story there. No, I think I might keep going, otherwise my time's going to get away. If you hear my word and believe him who sent me, then, he says, you will get eternal life. So the first thing is to to hear and act on his word, this word, the words that Jesus shares with us through Scripture. And then if, as a result of that, if you take this stuff seriously, if you take this as your guidebook, if you want to look at what what you should do in life and where you should go. There's some awesome instruction and principles right here in this book. And a lot of them are going to cut across what you hear through influences and other people in social media. 
Because what guides a lot of people today is, well, I think this and I think that and here's my experience and so this is where I'm going. No, no, that's, that's your thing. This is my thing. And so everybody's pushing a barrow in a different direction. And where do you put your peg in the sand with all of that? Goodness me, it's so confusing. The most stressful time I've ever been through was this COVID period. Because in leadership, we had people saying, I don't want to get the jab. And others saying, I want to get the jab. And we had a school system and they couldn't work in our school system without getting the jab. And it was causing so much hurt and fallout. But the challenging thing was, and I don't mind whether people are jabbed or not jabbed. I just love them all. That's fine. Make your decision and stick with it. But people were slogging each other over the head with YouTube clips about that were defending their particular position. And so you've got authorities on both ends of the spectrum saying, get it, it'll save your life. And you've got other people saying, if you get it, you won't have a life to save. And, and all with letters after their name, all supposed authorities, and it just becomes so confusing. And that's life in the social sphere. What do you do with that stuff? Where do you go to actually get a definitive answer on this? And my wife just cut through it all and she said, well, you know what I'm going to do, honey? And I said, no, what are you going to do? She goes, I'm just going to ask God tonight whether I should get this needle or not and ask him to impress me with, uh, with what he wants me to do and then I'm going to do that. And I went, well, that's a novel idea. What a cool idea for a Christian to actually go to the person who knows everything and say, could you just give me either a discomfort or a comfort around getting this vaccination. And whatever you put in my heart, that's the way I'm going to go. What a cool idea. And Jesus is inviting us into a life of following him because he wants to keep us on the right path when there are so many voices all around us saying crazy stuff. So here he says, if, if you hear my word and believe him who sent me, you'll have eternal life. So what's this believe bit all about? Well, the most famous verse in scripture is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's a beautiful promise. And he's saying, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. Well, what's it mean to believe? Like I... I know there's a God out there. I know God exists. Is that what belief is? And God's saying, no, 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 that's a knowledge of me. That's not belief. What does belief look like? In John chapter 10, it tells us in verse 27 something interesting. And here it's talking about belief versus unbelief. And uh, Jesus says here, my sheep, that's what he calls his followers. Beautiful, isn't it? He's the shepherd. We're his sheep. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. That's what we've been talking about. Not just hearing, but we're actually paying attention. I know them and they follow me. This is what it means to believe. Not only do we listen, do we pay attention, do we obey that voice of instruction that comes from Jesus or that voice of guidance, but it, it, we follow him. And he says, as a result of my sheep listening to my voice, knowing me and following me, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I love that. When God's got you, you're safe. You are absolutely safe when God's got you. 
But here it tells us what it means to believe. That is, that it's actually an investment. We are engaged. We are followers of Jesus. We're not just sitting there going, yeah, God, I know you're out there. And we wait till a crisis comes along and then we're all over God and we want him to, to give us immediate attention and to fix the problem. And then when he does, we just wander off on our merry way again, knowing God's out there somewhere and he's our backup plan. If we can't figure it out on our own, that's not what life with God is about at all. God actually wants to be in partnership with us. He wants to hang out with us. He wants to walk with us through the ups and the downs of life. It's a commitment. There was a um, NRL game up in Townsville at the new stadium there, sometime during COVID, I think. Um, I don't remember whether it was a state of origin game or what. I don't really follow NRL because I'm a West Aussie um, and it's all a bit of a new thing to me. But... What I remember is this, a whole bunch of our church members were totally invested in this. We got a lot of Pacific Islanders up there and they love the game and and others. And so they were coming from four or five hundred k's away down to Townsville for this particular game. So they made all of this effort, cleared their weekend, travelled down, stayed at our campground there and all bunked in and organised their meals and everything. They went along to the game um, and now Townsville has 300 days of sunshine a year. Um, but this wasn't one of them. And so when they went to the game, it was pouring rain. They're sitting there, freezing cold. And Townsville doesn't often get cold, but the rain made it cold. And, and uh, they're saturated. They're cheering for their team. And as I recall it, I think their team lost anyway. But um, that's what commitment and belief in your team does. It gets you to do crazy things. It gets you to drive hundreds of kilometres to spend that money to go and sit saturated, sopping wet in a game that doesn't end well. That's what belief in your team does. What about belief in God? What does that have you doing? Does anything change with you? When your friends look at you as a believer in God, do they see anything different? Or are you just like everybody else? We should be different. That's, uh, that's what Scripture's calling us to. So what, what does it look like then to be a believer, a God believer? And when you read through the Bible, here's some characteristics you'll find. They're filled with joy. Now, most of my life I've hung out, been paid to hang out with Seventh-day Adventist Christians. And folks, I've got to tell you, some of them look like they've been baptised in lemon juice. They're miserable. Come along Sabbath morning... It's like somebody's died during the week. But when you read what believers look like in Scripture, you go to the book of Acts, like Acts 16, it says they were filled with joy, they were rejoicing, they were praising God. When people meet Jesus and realise what He has done for them and what He wants to do for them, they are filled with joy. A real believer in Jesus is one of the happiest people on the planet. So that's a characteristic of a believer. Um, there, there's confession and repentance. Believers don't go along doing dodgy things all the time. Now, sometimes believers make mistakes, don't get me wrong. Um, you want an example, you're looking at one. But believers don't lead dodgy lives. They're not ripping the government off with their taxes. They're not cheating on their spouse. They're not doing things behind closed doors that, that uh, they would want people to see. That's not how believers roll. They repent of their, their sin, they, re, they put their past life behind them and they walk in a newness of life in the power of God. 
Um, they, they have a desire to share about Jesus. I've hung out with some Christians and you never know they're a Christian. They're like in the secret service. They never say anything. But real, pe- real believers in Jesus actually have this, this desire. They can't help but share what they know about Jesus because it's such cool news and the good stuff that Jesus has done in their life. And we all have a story to share. There was a time in my life where I wasn't doing so well. I had addictions. I had bad attitudes. I didn't have any purpose. And Jesus came along and got beside me and showed me his love and forgiveness And it made a huge difference. And ever since, he's been changing me from the inside out. There's my story in 15 seconds. You have a story too. And that story is something nobody can argue against. What's Jesus doing for you? Or maybe he hasn't done anything yet, but you're open to it. Well, that's cool. Let me introduce you to Jesus and see what he can do. All right, so it says there in, um, in John then, if we just finish this passage off, I'll come back to John 5. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Notice that. So if you are a believer in Jesus, that is somebody who's engaged and who's invested, you're also loving and hospitable. It's another characteristic of a believer. You're also spirit-led and spirit-filled. There's such cool things that happen to people who believe in Jesus. Their lives are changed. They are transformed. The old person drops away and a new, improved version of you comes to the front. That's what happens when you engage with Jesus. Because Jesus can do things that no motivational speaker can do. Or no amount of hypnosis or no amount of counselling. Jesus can do some awesome stuff in your life and he wants to. But when you are a believer, when you've obeyed his word and you come to faith and you say, I want to follow you, Lord. I want to be on your team. I want to walk this journey of life with you. So would you guide me because you're a lot smarter than me. Jesus says, you now have eternal life now again i hang out with with uh, christians a lot and if and one of the most awkward questions you can ask some of the saints in the patch where i work is are you saved if jesus was to come back tomorrow would you be would you be going home to heaven with him and they shuffle their feet well man that's a very personal question pastor and uh, they get all uncomfortable but i like what john says here He says, you have eternal life. No ifs, buts and maybes. We can be guaranteed that our salvation is secure when we are with Jesus. There is no doubt, there doesn't need to be. And just in case you think that um, I'm basing too much on one verse, let me take you to a letter written by John, same author. And in 1 John chapter 5, he says, "Who He who has the Son, this is verse 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So we're talking not, not this life because we're already living it, but Jesus is saying you want a better life and you want a future life, then it's, it's with me. It's not with anybody else. Nobody else can give you this. And he goes on and he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now that is such a cool thing. That not only do we get this life, we get a better version of it because God guides us through the ups and the downs. He doesn't take away all the bad stuff that happens, but he says, I'm going to walk with you through it. This life is stuffed. Sin has wrecked it. 
I'm going to help you through it, but you've got another life coming. And that is so good. And he says, you can say that with absolute assurance. Whoever believes him who sent me has eternal life. A few years ago, I was hanging out with a bunch of young people and uh, we went abseiling. And um, I'd never been abseiling, but I was just one of the people there to help coordinate them. And so these kids are getting on these ropes and going over. And it wasn't a very tall cliff. Might have, wouldn't have even been to the height of a ceiling here. And these poor kids are, are there and they're, they're looking like this and they're hanging on for grim death and they're white-knuckled and, and pale-faced and they're, they're panicking and they're shaking. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with these kids? Come on, man, this is going to be all good. Nobody's died from this yet. You'll be fine. Just man up or woman up or whatever. And so not a lot of compassion. So we ended up talking most of these petrified kids down the rope. And then they said, all right, Pastor, your turn. All right, how hard can this be? So I put on these most um, unedifying harness things that have you popping out in all the wrong places and they stick me on the rope. And when I got to the edge of the cliff... I suddenly realised the dilemma. And my legs start shaking, my knuckles go white, my face turns pale, my breathing almost stops, I feel like I'm going to die. And, and I went, I've just been, not ridiculing, but I've been harassing all of these poor kids because they didn't man up to do this. And I went, what am I going to do? You know what was interesting? I didn't trust the rope. But as soon as I took the first couple of steps over that cliff and I thought I was on a suicide mission, to be honest, as those poor kids did before me, when I took those first couple of steps and I realised that rope was going to hold me, all the fear left. And I love abseiling. I mean, you could, you could throw me over, not throw me, but you could let me go off a <clears throat> thousand foot cliff and swing out in the middle of nowhere and that would be so cool. Why? Because I trust the rope. My life is in that rope, really. And I am so excited to have eternal life and I know, I am confident that it is mine because I trust the person who's giving it to me. Absolutely. You want another life beyond this one? And, and when you're a young person, this life's pretty good. It's not until you get a bit older that some stuff starts coming at you and you go, oh my goodness, uh, this, this hurts or this sucks or, or whatever. But um, imagine having a life where everything just goes sweet. So good. We can trust Jesus when he says, you'll have eternal life. And then he says, you will not be condemned. I want to tell you something. I'm going to move quick because we don't have a lot of time. But there's a lot of people who are scared of being judged or being condemned, which is what this verse says. You know, God's going to come and he's going to, you know, have I been naughty or have I been nice? Are the scales tipped in my favour or aren't they? I need to do more good deeds. All of this silliness. You know, nothing you do will ever be good enough to meet the standard that God's at. But he says, I got you covered. It's so good. But let me tell you this. If you feel condemnation, for stuff that you've done, that is not Jesus. That is Satan. If you feel lousy, if you feel condemnation, it's not him. What does Jesus bring in those situations? He brings something called conviction. It's very different. 
Jesus will always convict you of something, but he won't leave you feeling condemned. And so if you feel that, you say, get behind me, Satan, like Jesus did once. And you go to Jesus and say, I, I really want to get over this. He'll bring conviction and, um, and set you on, on the right path. So there is <clears throat> no condemnation. In fact, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to worry. When God's got you, he's got you, and it's a full package service. And you don't have to worry about where you're going to end up and where you're going to spend eternity. He's locked you in. Now, of course, at any stage, you can choose to walk away from that. So it's not like, well, once I give my life to Jesus and ask him to, to take, take me and use me, that that's it. I can go and do as I please. No, no, no. You make that decision every day. We all do. All right. And then finally, it says, he has crossed from death to life. What does that mean? Well, Jesus says, I have come, John 10 verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He wants to give us the best life possible, not just in this life, but in the next one. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. If your life's been, had a bit of that in it, that's Satan just wreaking some havoc. But if you want life to the full, Jesus is offering it, offering it and when you accept him, then you cross over from death to life. Let me finish with a story. A few years ago, my dad started to get really sleepy. And it didn't matter how much he slept, he just couldn't seem to stay awake and, and uh, function properly. And we wondered what on earth was going on. And, and it got worse and it got worse until it wasn't safe for him to drive long distances because he would go to sleep at the wheel and then the sound of the white posts on the side of the road smacking the, the bull bar on his work van would wake him up and he'd get back on the road. Or he would uh, stop at a set of traffic lights and while he was waiting for the lights to turn green, he would go to sleep at the wheel and it was the cars honking behind that would wake him up. Or he would sit down to ring a customer at work and while the phone was ringing, he'd go to sleep at his desk and then the customer would go, hello, 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 anyone there? And that would, dad would wake up and then have the conversation. It got really bad. And we were worried about him because he just couldn't seem to function. He was always tired. And this is a few years ago and, and my sister who became a nurse started doing some research back in the days almost before Google and thought, maybe he's got something called sleep apnea. Today, every second person's got it, so we know what it is, we know how to deal with it, it's no big deal. Back then, it was, wasn't well known. We booked Dad in for a specialist appointment in Perth, 700 k's away, and um, had to wait three months for that, and Dad was worried he wasn't going to make it, and we were worried too. Finally got him in there, he slept there overnight, they plug all of these wires on you and monitor everything, and the next morning, the doctor looked at the results and he said, this is an incredibly severe case of sleep apnea. It's a wonder you're still functioning. So he said, I want you to come back however many nights later. We're going to hook you up to a machine and see how that goes. So dad went back in. And you know what they did? Just got a, it's like a little air compressor. Just with a face mask, tube, a little bit of compressed air. I went, for goodness sake, dad, we could have rigged that up years ago. Um, and so they put him on this little machine with a face mask and and dad of course the moment his head hits a pillow or, or he sits down he's straight to sleep and he just slept that whole night 
And he said in the morning, it was the first time that he could recall in years when he opened his eyes that he actually felt like he'd slept and he felt great and he sat up and he was ready to face the day. In one night, he had crossed from death to life all because of a bit of compressed air. You know, Jesus is inviting you and me to cross from death to life. To cut through all the, all the crazies out there and all of the competing ideas and, um, and perspectives and just listen to his voice and let him, instead of some other influencer, be our guide in life. And he says, if you'll listen to my voice and you'll put your belief in me, I'll do incredible things for you, but I'll also give you eternal life. And if that's something you'd like to explore, then I'd love you to meet with Sarah after this and just uh, ask her how that works. And she'll take you on that journey because you won't look back. It's awesome. May God bless you as you consider walking with him each day until he comes to take you home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the best news ever that you want to take us from death to life, that we're really looking at our fate long-term and we have a choice. We can change the outcome simply by accepting you and choosing to walk life's journey with you. We thank you for making all the provisions. There's a whole bunch of mechanics behind this that are complicated, a lot of theological terms, but you just do it all and we're so grateful. I pray for everybody here, Lord, and if there is anybody that knows about you but hasn't made that choice to walk life's journey with you, I ask for the conviction that only you can bring on their heart that they may want to make a decision for you. So, Lord, we leave each person here in your hands, walk with them, carry their burdens, help them with what they're going through at this time, and bless each one abundantly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.